Hello? Hello? Nacho? Nacho! You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning St. Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born Better call Saul, better call Saul You wanna tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can Blue lights start a blinking, those handcuffs click You know who to call and you better call quick Saul, Saul, you better call Saul You'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall Stick it to the man, justice for all You better call Saul Short, just a couple of beans. There's a George Foreman grill down the back of your blue jeans. They got you at the checkout, the blue lights blink, only one got a call, because the others all stink. Better call Saul. It's time to Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. And I am Glenn Beauvais. Yeah, we're here talking season one, episode three, called Nacho. Uh, this is the uh, the first, I, I guess it's like its, its first week post- uh, big debut. Uh, yeah. Obviously, last week it had like the two-day season premiere mm-hmm. type situation. Um, I wonder. I, I should probably go look and see how the uh, the ratings were for this show because I have a. I know that the. Uh, um, I, I guess the ratings aren't in for this particular episode yet. The uh, it, you know what's really crazy to me is the the premiere episode did. Almost seven million viewers after The Walking Dead. Do you know what the ratings were? Do you know, do you know what the million count was for the second night? Uh, probably like three point six. Yeah, it was three point four. That is such a huge drop off. How could people... you know what that that is all? That's the average of what Breaking Bad was, though. What even even when it was like at its peak, when it, when people everybody the finale, knew about it, or... I think was seven million, and that was the most viewers that it ever had. It, I mean, right. you think about we all talk about Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was the, one of those things. It was the internet episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the internet show. Everybody on the internet loves that show, and that's that's kind of AMC's thing, or, or maybe I would just say cable. Yeah. Um, you know, cable. You know, it's all about getting the people on the internet because at least your show is talked about. If your show is talked about, then there's always going to be buzz. There's always going to be interest in it. Yeah. And even Bob Odenkirk said when he was coming in this project, the hope they didn't think the ratings would be high. The plan was for the show to be really good, and just like Breaking Bad, after the first season, maybe gets aired on Netflix. And just word of mouth of people like, hey, did you watch Rare Girls? So I'm like, oh, I gave up after like two episodes. Mm-hmm. No, dude, you need to come back because it's really good. And yep. that's and even when you're watching a show, that's what it feels like. You know what you know ultimately where it can go. But um, you know, just with Mike this episode, there are things happening now that are definitely gonna make it be umped but uh, up right. but by the end of the season. So. Okay, so we're going to I'm going to hop right into this uh this episode here. The first thing we get is a flashback uh where we see a uh a made up to look slightly younger Michael McKeon as uh, as Chuck McGill uh is is entering a prison uh to meet a uh 
Oh, and, and of course, you know it's a flashback because he has a giant fucking cell phone. Uh, but he's he's meeting a client, and his client turns out to be Jimmy, a.k.a. Saul. Uh, they do not, they do not actually, I don't think they go into what he was arrested for, but I think he does, uh, I think he at the very least hints that it might have something to do with possibly being labeled a sex offender. Uh, basically Chuck gives him the, the big brother speech, right. Of you got to clean up your act kid. Uh, you gotta, you gotta do better. You gotta make something of yourself. You know, one of those type things. Uh, and Chuck agrees to represent Jimmy. Um, so long as he, you know, promises that he's gonna, he's gonna do better. Uh, so we are in the present day and, uh, Jimmy is pulling out his hair essentially over this, uh, over what he learned uh, from the last episode with Nacho, right, where he said that his plan is to uh, to get the uh, the money from the Kettlemans, Bet, uh, Betsy and Craig Kettleman. Mm-hmm. They're one. They're one and a half million dollars, whatever it is. Um, he, of course, at this point, he is not the Saul Goodman that we've come to know and love. He actually seems like a pretty decent guy, and he really wants to help these poor people. <laughs> he is terrified. He calls uh, an acquaintance of his who works at the. Uh, at a Hamlin, whatever is it Hamlin? I keep wanting to say it's Hamlin, Hamlin McGill, but it's it's Hamlin something McGill for sure. Maybe you should find that out while I'm talking about this, and see if we can find out what the law firm is. Um, her name is Kim, and uh, he knows that she is on this Kettleman's case. They're one of one of the people, or part of the legal counsel or whatever, and he's trying to subtly warn her that there is the Kettleman's might be in some sort of danger. Um. Uh, and when she starts kind of inquiring a little bit more, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm drunk. I don't know what I'm talking about. And then he just, you know, hangs up on her essentially. Uh, and he, he says, I'm no hero or something along those lines. Uh, later in the evening, uh, he still cannot shake this feeling. He drives out into the middle of nowhere to a payphone, And uh, this is, by the way, uh, I should note before he does this, he gathers uh, several supplies and make some sort of makeshift voice modulator out of like a paper towel roll and uh-huh. uh, some sex robot voice, <laughs> a rubber band. Um, I don't, e- I don't even know how to approximate the voice, but he, he... no, that's what she calls it. <laughs> Did you right, sex right, robot right? Voice, yeah. Yes. Uh, so he he calls them from this payphone and is just like, <laughs> and the Kettlemans are like, well, I can't make it out, like. On, on our end, we can kind of vaguely hear him talk about, like, you're in danger. You need to, you know, they're coming after you. But all they hear is. <laughs> so uh, they're he finally uh, just gives up on the sex robot voice and drops it. And he's like, you're in danger. They're coming after you. Uh, the the Kettlemans then look outside of their house and see somebody in a parked van watching them. The next morning, uh We've got Jimmy, who's back at the uh, at the courthouse, and uh, as is, I guess, a tradition for him, is badgering the uh, the prosecutor into accepting a plea deal for one of his uh, clients. Uh, it is then that he receives a phone call from his friend Kim, who says something has happened to the Kettlemans. Um, he uh, he's about to take off, uh, and of course, he runs into Mike, and he. Is he's like, look, I, I know I, I don't have the money, I don't have the the stamps. Can I can I please just go? And Mike is having none of it. And when Mike is not paying attention, Jimmy reaches in and pushes the button that raises the gate, and he speeds off. 
Um, he says some, I do not remember the insult he shouts at Mike and Mike just has a cold, dead million yard stare, uh, as, as Jimmy's car drives away. So he gets to the Kettleman's and finds out that the Kettleman's house has been ransacked. They are missing as well as their children. Uh, Jimmy immediately thinks that, oh shit, this is Nacho. Uh, so he pulls out Nacho's contact number that he left for him on a uh, on a matchbook, and once again heads to a payphone and leaves voicemail after voicemail after voicemail. Uh, he tries to. Uh, he then decides he's just going to hop in the car and take off. There is a. He gets one phone call right, uh, and he picks up and he's like Nacho, Nacho, and there's nothing, and he hangs up. We later through deduction determined that was probably the police. Uh, Jimmy gets in his car. He's about to leave when he sees some people coming from either side of the street. His car will not start because it's a piece of crap. So he gets out and he starts walking kind of suspiciously and then starts running in a very suspicious manner. Uh, and the police take him down and uh, he lets him know that he is a lawyer and they let him know that they have Nacho. Uh, because a lady from across the street had noticed this van parked outside the Kettleman's home two nights in a row and took down the license plate number, and it was Nacho's license plate number. And uh, they also found some blood on the inside of the van. So um, Jimmy is talking to Nacho, trying to get him to cop to all of this. Uh, Nacho is telling him that he is being set up. Uh, He can't believe Jimmy is trying to set him up like this, uh, because somebody else has stolen... Uh, the Kettleman's millions of dollars or one million of dollars. Uh, and he had nothing to do with this. And Jimmy questions him about the blood. And he says, hey, man, that's just from your douchebag skater uh, scam artist fellas. Uh, and I believe he says whatever other fluids you left behind in the vehicle. I think he said something along yeah. those lines. And uh, he uh, he believes him. He thinks that, you know, this isn't what's going on. And then when Jimmy goes back, to, he goes to the Kettleman's home, I believe. And, uh, they, uh, when he's going through the rooms and stuff, he notices that the little girl has, uh, a picture of a doll with her everywhere, but the doll is nowhere to be found. He, uh, puts two and two together that he thinks, you know, he warned them. Maybe the Kettleman's just got up and left and made it look like they were ransacked and kidnapped. Uh, because if they're running, then they look guilty. But if they're kidnapped, then they're victims. Uh, and nobody's going to feel bad for them. Uh, the police officer says, isn't it just as likely that the bad guy gave the girl the doll just to shut up the little girl who would probably be scared in a situation like that? Jimmy has to admit that uh, the cop is probably correct. Uh, but he is still positive that uh, that Nacho is innocent. Uh, and his uh, his determination to prove his innocence is furthered by the fact that Nacho tells him that if he does not get released from custody today, uh, Jimmy is going to be dead. Because if they look further into Nacho's uh, partnerships and things like that, they're going to find his connection to Tuco Salamanca and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Jimmy ends up in a pine box somewhere. So the... Uh, <laughs> They, uh, Jimmy has to, I, I don't remember what happens. He goes, uh, oh, he goes back into the, uh, the courthouse, uh, and Mike will not let him in <laughs> and he tries apologizing <laughs> and, uh, Mike is not going to do shit. So Jimmy says he's just going to get out and confront Mike 
who then quickly takes his ass down. Like Jimmy pokes him once. One of those things or gives him like the little the little short shove. Mm-hmm. And Mike just grabs him by the wrist and takes his ass down and has him screaming for mercy. Um, the police then ask Mike to press assault charges on Jimmy. Uh, they know he used to be a police officer and they wanted to use this so they can leverage uh, Jimmy to testify against Nacho. Uh, at first, Mike is all for this until he hears Jimmy pleading about the thing with Nacho, and uh, he decides that he believes Jimmy McGill's story, and it says he's not going to press charges at all. And he believes uh, his theory about the Kettleman's disappearance. Uh, in fact, Mike even tells Jimmy about his story uh, when he was back in Philadelphia as a police officer where a suspect had faked his own disappearance. Uh, and he said there's a good chance that, uh, like he said that the, he was like two doors over, like in an abandoned home or something like that, uh, because it's hard to leave home and because people would expect you to run far away. So why would anybody expect you to run, uh, two, two rooms over? So he says that there's a good chance that they could be somewhere close. So with this idea, Jimmy goes back, uh, and when he sees their, their Jeep parked outside of their home, he notices a decal which has a big happy family going camping. And he decides to go into the backyard of their property and notices there's just nothing but uh, desert behind them. So he goes out and literally, I believe, hikes for like a day. Like, he does like a day's worth of hiking. I would say he probably hiked about six hours. Cause yeah, something like, yeah, like a half a day. He still awake whenever yeah. he was there. It's probably in the middle of the day. I mean, it, it was a it big hike, have... though. Yeah, he was definitely, I mean, he probably walked about eight miles out, I would say. And he finds them camping, singing uh, songs like John, yeah, Bingo and John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. It hadn't quite got to that one yet. No, thankfully. Um, (laughs) Which is a shame because I hear his name is my name too, Glenn. That's a fun fact Uh about John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Uh, Anyway, he... uh, (laughs) Song time on the Cinema Geekly Premium Podcast. Um... So, yeah, he, he, he calls up, uh, I think he calls up Kim, and he's like, I found your dumbass clients. And in the greatest way possible, while they're all talking, he just unzips the, he just unzips their tent, and he's like, here's Jimmy! And they're like, holy shit! They're scared out of their minds. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the high degree of unnecessary treatment he provided to them actually made it necessary somehow. Like, I, I wouldn't have accepted it any other way now if he hadn't just barged in like that, just so loud and uh, obtrusively. Uh, and he's like, look, you're going to haul your asses back or the police are going to haul your ass back. And uh, they're like, uh, no, can we talk this out a little bit? And he and he's like, nope, 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 time to go. Grabs a duffel bag, which Mrs. Kettleman uh, says, wait, wait, whoa, wait. Grabs the duffel bag. There's a tug of war. The bag rips and piles and piles and piles piles of money fall out of this duffel bag and they are staring at each other very awkwardly uh as uh as the show comes to a conclusion so what did you think of uh nacho sir the episode i i absolutely love this episode it was weird because uh at first kind of like okay this is you know this is getting a little you know the phone calls and and it was funny because things seemed to drag on in this episode even you know the phone calls that he's making the mm-hmm. nacho were like okay i get it i get it and then it was then it was necessary it was like oh of course because you know if 
now that makes sense because the police are tracking him. It would take a while to get things set up to do this. Okay, this makes sense. And then the hiking, it was like, oh my god, we really got to just... Okay, I get it. They were really far out. And then it's like, oh, no, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I mean, they they do have like a two or three day head start on him. They, I'm sure they just made camp and just kept moving further out mm-hmm. with the kids. So, you know, it was weird because the longevity that may have just been the issue and just seemed like wasted time. Uh, ultimately, there is a payoff. And then I remember that Vince Gilgan knows how to make television. Uh, yes. <laughs> But no, it was uh, no. I loved it. It was just the whenever he just hits the button and busts out of there, and it just cuts right to Mike face. I busted out laughing. That was awesome. Yeah. I laughed so hard, and I was just I had the biggest smile on my face because it's like I know what's going to happen. Oh yeah, uh, and good, this either. is like one of the few instances where like prequels pay off. And it's just. I know what's going to happen. Mike is going to beat the shit out of him. Yep. And he just, and whenever he comes in, you know, just Mike doesn't give a shit. He's going to let him just leave his car there and block people. He doesn't care, but he is not getting in that building. Right. And then also just, I don't know. It was just, it was so nice to get more of Mike and knowing like where this is going to lead to. And uh, I just, I don't know, I really love this episode. And even the stuff with the other lawyer, like, just the small, subtle things. Because whenever he was getting that toilet paper roll, and I was like, what the fuck is he doing? And I was like, maybe he's making a voice muffler, but that just, that's just stupid. Right. And then, you know, you see what he's doing, and it's the sex robot voice that she <laughs> ta- you know that he always calls the lawyer lady, you know, and tries to talk about how he wants to have sex with her. And she's yes. like, no. Whereas I'm assuming this has just been going on for years, and by this time she's just not phased by it. Yes. And kind of enjoys the flirtations a little bit, like... She probably has like uh, she doesn't she's so like goofy, him at man. all, and then just uh, over time, she's just kind of given into him like Bill Murray does in Groundhog Day yes. for Andy McDowell, and just, just like eventually, and eventually just learns to love him. And it was just, you know, you know, I know she's a regular on the show as well, so it's just, it's nice to start seeing these people being fleshed out because whenever you see the re- you know who's going to be the regulars on the show, the only people we really got were Jimmy and his brother. Everyone's just kind of splintered in there, but now that we're starting to get these, it's just it's just organic storytelling. That's that's just the best thing I really like about this show. It's just thing things happen at a pace that seem natural. And that right. is what I enjoyed most about this episode. Just the things that may have seemed long, they were just they were enjoyable in the end. Just there's a lot of payoff when it comes to this show, and I, I absolutely love it. The um yeah, the even the stuff that was drawn out, like the phone calls, like that that had he knows how to build the tension. Like that had mm-hmm. attention to it. Like I could feel the stress that uh, you know, and Bob Odenkirk's performance as well. But I could feel, uh, I could feel the pressure he was under uh, trying to get those phone calls. And you know, then everything, of course, made sense. I'm like, why did the phone ring? And he didn't say anything. It's because the it was the police, and they were tracing the number. Uh, they traced it and found him, and you know, I mean, everything made everything made sense. I wasn't asking any any weird questions. There was uh, this all the stuff with Mike was, of course, spot on, uh, <laughs> and it was great that he got uh, after after holding off for a couple of episodes. 
Um, cause you know, he, he said he had a line or two in the first couple of episodes, but he actually got some Mike dialogue in this episode mm-hmm. and it was awesome. I could listen to Mike tell me stories all day long if he wanted to. Wait, on the job, he used to be a cop. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, dummy. He used to be a cop. We you, know that story. You couldn't tell by how quickly he took your ass down and had you pleading for mercy. Um, yeah, I, I liked uh I, I liked everything. This the 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 this isn't a flawless episode, although I'd although it's one of those things where it's intangibles, right? Where I, I can't pick it out of the air what doesn't make it a perfect episode or anything like that. It's just one of those things where it just doesn't hit me. Uh but it was a really good episode, like all around. Uh and and you know, this is a building episode, obviously, too. Like we're in the middle of an arc right now with this whole Kettleman's thing. And uh, the whole season is probably going to be an arc for something. Uh, and I, I believe our guess was um, the, the birth of, of Saul as we know Saul. So uh, that's high. That's highly possible. I mean, he is getting in deeper and deeper as this whole thing kind of goes. So. Yeah. But it's weird. Like, you know, we say three episodes in and he's like, got some dude who's part of some kind of drug cartel wants him dead. Mm-hmm. The people that he, he was trying to get his clients embezzled a million and a half dollars, which yep. we saw that a million and a half dollars. Yep. Uh, from local government. Yep. He's constantly in with the courts. The prosecution. He just annoys them with each, the guy's <laughs> taking a shit and he's just berating him. Yes. Like the dude killed three people and I was like, no, 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 the the drunk guy. <laughs> yeah, it's his first offense. <laughs> uh... Like just those little things, like. You know, he's like, oh, you can't even remember these cases. It's like, probably doesn't remember these cases because all you do is badger this guy. Like, it's just, <laughs> all of it's just probably running together. He doesn't even know what you're yelling at him about at this point. Right. Uh, but no, it was just, it's it really is just the little things that are making this. And, and of course, you know, I, I'll probably give it like a four. I, I, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's leaning towards the four and a half side, but it's just, this show's just really well done, and that's its biggest thing. Is it? It doesn't have to be the most exciting, throw it in your face stuff. You know, they're not going to bust out Brian Cranston in the first season. Oh, I mean, maybe, right? Uh, uh, if they get desperate, perhaps. Yeah, that doesn't seem like that's going to be the but case. It, but it, but it would. I would forgive it. It wouldn't seem like, oh, oh, let's see Brian Cranston. It's like, well, you know that he had to have looked into this guy at some point, which would probably sure. be later on in the show, but. You know, if they do some kind of flash forward or something, I, I, you know, I could forgive it. Or he bumps into him randomly as he is just yeah. a science teacher, yeah. a mild-mannered science teacher or something like that. Um, the, uh, um, you know, what would be interesting is I doubt they would even do it, but there'd be a, like a way to kind of do it where it's like a court case where Walter White is like on the other side of the the case or whatever, like a juror. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, like they kind of like they kind of meet meet, but they don't re- you know really meet. Yeah, that they sort don't of thing. Meeting each other. Um, and but because the show is so well put together, that sounds like the fan wankiest shit I've yeah. ever heard. Like it sounds. Oh, that'd be so cool. But this show is so well done that that would be that would probably be terrible. Uh, yeah, it would be. It would probably be detrimental to the show. And l- unless, of course, he actually did do it, and then he'd probably do it in a way that yeah. was better than how I suggested it. Because <laughs> uh, he's far far better at putting this show together than I am. Yeah, I'm giving it a very solid four as well. 
Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I was tempted to give it a little bit higher, but uh, we can't just be giving four and a halfs every week. Like, no, it's no, what we may be doing. Yeah. yeah, I I did feel tempted. I did feel tempted, and there was a lot of stuff to like. The extra Mike stuff this week, him busting into that tent was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it was such an awesomely dick thing to do. Like, the, there was just so of unexpected. Of course Saul would do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just so unexpected. Uh, but he's like, these people are dumbasses anyway. They think they're so smart, and boom! <laughs> do you hear that? Yeah, that's your dumbass clients. Yes, he put the <laughs> photo book to the house. You get the police, yes. and you beat him at the house in a half hour. And, oh, it's gonna take me some time to get there. Yes, ah, <laughs> uh, it was so good. All right, so Glenn and I are gonna gleefully return uh, next week on Better Talk Saul, the Better Call Saul podcast, when we talk about season one, episode four, called Hero. You better call Saul. You best call now.